to Court Captains, a volleyball podcast. Where we talk about all things Pro Volleyball Federation. And today we're talking... What is PVF and who the hell are we? First, let us introduce ourselves so you know who we are and why we think we have any right talking to you about professional volleyball. First, I'm going to talk about my co-host, Kelly. Kelly played right side for four years at the Division I level. After graduation, she took the longest break from volleyball that she's ever had since starting to play club in the seventh grade, a whopping three months. Now, she mainly plays in weekly leagues and enjoys a quiet life with her dog and husband. Yes, I feel like I will be talking about my dog, Penny, even when it's not prompted. Yep. So we'll, we'll bring it on. Yeah. Oh, I also want to call out, I did uh, coach one season of club and I absolutely hated it. Uh, so, so there wasn't a second season. That's... There was not a second season. Um, <laughs> How old were they? They were young. They were very young. Yeah. Um, yeah. That That's was... like babysitting. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. All right. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, all right. So now I'm going to talk about my co-host, Nikki. So Nikki is in her 20th year of playing volleyball. Damn. Okay. I, I don't like to do the math there, but... But I did. I, I did it. I didn't, I didn't even attempt to do the math. You're also about 20. I feel like you're almost at 20. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so she was quickly turned into a setter at the age of 13 because everyone could tell she'd grow up into a type A control freak. Uh, she, played, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, she played Division Three for a top 10 school conference MVP. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Um, and followed by years of indoor and grass leagues and tournaments, which is how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't remember exactly when. Nope. No memory. Just one of those leagues. It's just, maybe it's like we've just always been friends. We were always meant to be. Yeah. Uh, COVID was the longest break that she had from volleyball um, since starting at the age of 13. Um, and she coached high school level club for seven seasons. So stuck yeah. it out longer than I could. I, well, <laughs> high schoolers are a little bit closer yes. to closer to what we did so what what level did you do like what age or sorry six yeah 16s 16s and then a 17 18 joint group but like uh at the club was it like what level in the age group do you remember oh but it's so different now compared Mm. to when we played it was like open and club and that was it Mm -hmm. right Mm-hmm. Now there's USA Volleyball came out with. Uh, we could talk more about this. USA Volleyball came out with like the Patriot level. Oh, the they're still open in club. The American level, like there are, I think maybe six now of oh. all of the little subgroups. So I don't remember. They were good. They had some D one kids. Okay. Nice. They won some stuff. It was nice. Nice. That's fun. And also here with us today is regular contributor Ian. Oh, that's me. Yeah, my uh, my volleyball expertise comes from I had uh, a locker next to Colleen in high school, and she went to Florida to play volleyball, and that's about that's about as close as I am. So, I will play the the volleyball vi- village idiot on the pod. So, people can teach me stuff. <laughs> How did you stack up with her height wise? Um, I definitely looked up. At Khalid, I'd say like a few a few inches. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know a lot, but going to Florida still seemed like a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, yeah, she was she was good. I know that. So yeah, absolutely. He is an extremely cool guy. He oh, is yeah, my definitely. boyfriend's best friend, uh, and he knows a lot about sports. So we're excited to have him. 
All right, so with this podcast, we are planning to bring you weekly episodes reviewing the action of the PVF. Uh, We'll bring our takes. There'll be a variety of temperatures. Our opinions. We have many. And our feelings. Also a lot of those. And so with this first episode, we're going to do some level setting, um, foundational information to talk through what the Pro Volleyball Federation is and what you can expect from these matches this inaugural season. Uh, We'll go through some recent history of women's professional volleyball and how we got here, and then how PVF was created, who's behind it. For this first one, Nikki and I split up the research, so she's focused on PVF, and I've got the history covered. Um, Our dear regular contributor, Ian, uh, is going to be along for the ride, asking us questions, keeping us from getting too deep in the weeds without proper explanation. So let's get started. Yeah, I mean, I guess first off, my first question is, uh, what the hell's the PVF? What the hell's the PVF? Uh, We also asked ourselves these questions. I feel like I first started seeing just whispers and various posts about this on social media. Um, I've got like a lot of friends of friends or people around that we've seen who are like announcing that they're on these teams. Um, And so just at the highest level, the PVF is going to start this first season uh, on Wednesday, January 24th. It'll be the first season. It'll be 16 total weeks of play. So that'll take us through May. There will be, um, right now what's scheduled is 24 matches per team. There are seven total teams. So the math on that is that everybody plays each other four times. Six times four is 24. Sounds right. Amazing. So everybody's going to play, each one team is going to play all the other teams four times. So there are playoffs afterwards, but I'm not sure. I haven't been able to tell yet what the structure of that is. If, like, the top four teams out of the seven make it, and so it's kind of immediately semis finals. Um, I haven't been able to find that information yet, but there are playoffs, um, and there are incentives, um, which we can talk a little more about to get into, like, the financials of that. So, yeah, there's there's 14 players per roster, um, and we've got we've got the, the seven teams, which I thought... We could maybe chat about them just high level. I'll I'll unveil the different teams and what they what their names are. I need to we know whose merch I need to be getting. That's so. right. We got to start getting these names into our brains. So, um, in alphabetical order, we have the Atlanta Vibe. Interesting. Good. I've seen they're doing some pretty cool things in their um, huddles with making the V with a peace sign. Nice. We like it. That's that's their so I'm already kind of on board with that. Just vibing. The vibe, they're vibing. I, I I hope they really lean into that as much as possible. Second team we've got is the Columbus Fury. I saw they were the one team I've run into because I saw they drafted somebody from Texas. Mm-hmm. This is big. We're going to talk more about mm-hmm. that. But yes, okay, Columbus cool. Fury. Third team we've got is the Grand Rapids Rise. Grand Rapids, so Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay, intriguing. Fourth team. The Omaha Supernovas. Sweet. Apparently, you can see the stars in Nebraska. Omaha does seem like a volleyball place. And it is a volleyball place. Um, Our next team is the Orlando Valkyries. Great name. Coolest logo I've seen. Into that. It's a sweet logo. Uh, Next up, we've got the San Diego Mojo. I mean, that's leading the way for for a team that I would root for. It's, it's, It's named Mojo. Um, it's in San Diego. That seems like good weather. <laughs> and finally, seventh team is the Vegas Thrill. I think Vegas is such a good place for professional sports. 
See, this is where we'll get we'll get into our secondary volleyball gambling podcast yeah. at some yeah. point. But that That's also big... seems like yeah, if you're right right in there, if you can get Floyd Mayweather courtside with a with a bag of money to gamble on volleyball, you're probably uh you know, you're in good shape. All right, well, that's just the highest level of information about the PVF, but I think we want to take a step back now and and kick it over to Kelly to tell us more about some of the history. I think, like, thinking about how exciting of an option this is for American players, um, like, when I graduated from college, our only hope to, to go play pro was to get picked up by one of the professional leagues abroad. That was really the only opportunity to, to make any amount of money doing this. Um, and to my knowledge, at least from that time, 10 years ago, there were limits of two American players per team. So you really just had some of the like best of the best who were playing abroad or getting picked up or even on their radars of a lot of those teams abroad. And so we're not really going to talk about uh, international pro today, um, but what I do know is that there are over 300 American players as of last year who were on teams abroad. Um, and so that's, that's just a lot of talent that's going far from home and um, didn't have an option to play here. So in terms of like thinking about what options there were in this country in the past, um, Kelly's, got, Kelly's got some research to share with us. Yes. And I, you know, I hope none of these, well, I think all of these are going to be cautionary tales. Sure. (laughs) We're going to, you know, history can repeat itself. And I see a lot as I, as I read through these, um, these leagues that we have attempted, you know, we're, we might see some patterns. Um, Okay. So we're going to go back in time to 1987 where what I can tell is maybe the first like women's professional volleyball. And what I can kind of gather is that the Olympics, um, I think it was in 84, like somehow got this resurgence of volleyball. And that was like the catalyst to get this league going. So it started in 87 and it ran for two and a half seasons. There were eight teams. Oh, a fun thing I'm going to also include in all of these is I'm going to give all the websites a rating. And now this is a league from 1987, but their website gets a D. Okay. Well, we, need, we do need to understand the norms that's, of the that's time, solid. right? Right. Well, there was no websites yeah. in 1987. However, they don't get an F. They get a D because there are our archives. I will explain later why, why someone did get an F. <laughs> and I'm mad about it. Okay. So um, eight teams. Um, I do want to, I'm not going to go through all the teams for all these leagues, but I do want to talk about these because there are some crazy names. Um, what is this league called? Oh, sorry. It's called Major League Volleyball. And um, all of the, yes. And all of these, apparently all of the games are archived on VHSs. Um, don't know, don't know who has those. Who's, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just, just in case. In case. I'm also um, so interested in, you said that this league, it seems like was created from this resurgence of interest in the Olympics. And yes. that is a pattern we've seen over and over again. Yes. Like for as long as I can remember, the Olympics happens and everybody's like, oh, I love insert sport here. But volleyball is always in on that list, right? Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So because this league 
it started off with a two-year contract with ESPN. Not all the games were televised, but I think 10 a season or maybe 10 total. It had to be 10 a season because there were quite a bit of games. Um, um, so I got most of my research um, about this league from an article that is a, just an opinion piece on Medium um, from this guy named Drake Mizek, Mizek. Um, and his title is In Search of U.S. Pro Women's Volleyball League, Major League Volleyball. Okay, so sorry, I wanna I do want to read these names. So we have Arizona Blaze, which like when you said the Ariz- what was the Arizona Fury, right? Columbus Fury. Oh, what was the Atlanta Vibe? Vibe. Vibe. Okay. I was like, are, is this the same name? It's not the same name, but kind of similar. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just I guess that's just sports team. Okay, Chicago Breeze. There was a Chicago team, the Breeze, the Windy City. Cute. Yeah. I like it. Uh Dallas Bells. Uh, Los Angeles Starlights, uh, the Minnesota Monarchs, uh, New York Liberties, and then oh, Portland Spikers. Um, Portland Spikers, though, is that like a railroad reference? <laughs> I I have to say though, we we're in no. I'm going to establish it from the start. We're in no Spike podcast. It's no. it's a Just, hit. It's, it's a hit. It's the set. It's, no, no, it's, it's the set the, podcast. The, the phrasing, I mean, yes, but the phrasing of it, people say spike because they learned about that in, in gym class. But like, yeah. it's not bump set spike. You pass, you set, and you hit. Yeah. And just so I'm you're writing, up to date, I'm writing it down. I'm yeah, writing it yeah, down. Up to date good, on the on the proper lingo that's here. A good hit. Note. There's no for when I'm on the beach and people are like, "You, f- <laughs> you noob." It's called it's called a hit. <laughs> now you know. Um, okay, and then finally. The San Jose Gold Diggers. Ooh. <laughs> tough. <laughs> so tough. Okay. So, yes, the, uh, this league started with investors investing, doing do what they do. Uh, investors be investing. Um, and I do want to share this quote from the league commissioner. We'll unpack it. Um, all right. Volleyball is more suited as a women's sport because the men are too powerful. It's like watching two great servers in a tennis match. You never get to see a rally. In volleyball, the women have more grace and finesse, and they rally more. I, I, just, mean, I don't think he's wrong. No. The vibe of this quote is like, ooh, uh, are we, okay. But then you're like, oh, yeah, because I don't, I, I personally don't really enjoy watching men's volleyball. I think that it has its benefits. I think that it's it's fun. I actually have a lot of opinions about I feel that men and women playing volleyball should be playing together through through middle school maybe even into high school okay so moving along uh still talking about major league volleyball um from the 80s uh so players could enter the draft if they wanted to forfeit their NCAA eligibility status but they were still considered amateurs as far as the Olympics were concerned now um Amateur status, literally the only thing I know about it is from watching the movie Miracle. Where and they, you said you didn't watch sports. I watch sports movies. <laughs> <laughs> Their base salary was 5500 and all the players got got paid. And would anyone care to guess, um, it is in our shared notes, but no one look what that, is in, look. What is, what that is in 2023 money. $5,500 yeah. for a season? Um, As their yeah. base? Yeah. Would it be like sixteen thousand? Yeah, it's four fourteen thousand about. 
So I didn't look at the notes. That and then you could get, and then I think you could get, obviously, and I think this is a theme with all of these leagues and probably just professional leagues in general is that you get bonuses if you perform. So the estimated league losses were between 2.9 million and 3.2 million after just two seasons. Um, eventually they decided they needed to sell these season or these teams off. Um, oh, because it had like this, like, um, they didn't have a regional structure. It was like all owned by one organization. Um, and so they tried to sell all the teams for 125 grand each. Um, and then in the end they ran out of money. Um, and here's a quote from Lee Mead, former general manager of the Monarchs, the Minnesota Monarchs. This league is no different from the NFL, NBA, or NHL. You can't survive on attendance alone. You have to market the league. You need TV. You need corporate sponsors. So building the attendance is not our major concern. Selling the concept is. And there were, like, lots of quotes of, like, we need Coke to sponsor us. Like, they wanted a really big sponsorship. Um, And then, finally, I'm going to – the final thing to talk about is from the Wikipedia page of Major League Volleyball – and I don't know, I don't know why they included this. The league only had two sets of warm-ups circulating among its teams until two weeks into the first season. And the game uniforms ordered from Japan were in quarantine until two days before the season opened. That's like, it's just like, that's it? That's the blurb in the Wikipedia page? And I'm like... What? Is that... Quarantine. Two sets of warm-ups, as in like... I think you, that means- you had to wear those clothes to warm up in, and then you give it to the, to the next girl for I, her warm up. I think so. The next, the next uh, attempt at professional volleyball was in two thousand two. It was something. It was a. It was called U.S. Professional Volleyball League, USPV for short. Um, it ran for one season in 2002. The website gets a D minus because, again, there is no website. However, there are archives, which, thanks. Great. Um, <laughs> there were only four teams, um, which are, and it was like basically just like major cities. And um, they ran out of funding. And there, yep. there's really not much information about this league. Um, okay. So. Then the best I could tell is that the next attempt is PVL, which stands for Premier Volleyball League. Um, so it ran for four seasons from 2012 to 2016. This website gets an F minus. Um, so the oh not only is well, they stopped paying for the domain name, which sure if you don't exist anymore. Why would you? Why would you pay that twelve bucks a year? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what really uh, made me upset is their Instagram is still available and it just the graphics are just really hard to look at and I really just didn't like him. There's not really much to say about this league. It was so poorly covered and marketed. Um I they had some like USAV um which f- for our listeners uh, is the like the governing body of Un- United States volleyball. I yep. suppose. And because this had like a USAV partnership, um, they basically all these teams played at these high school USAV tournaments. And so I think the incentive was win those and then you get money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now now we're into leagues that are currently existing. 
Um, we've got three. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is called Athletes Unlimited. This is an interesting concept. This has been around since 2021. They There are other sports in, under this umbrella of Athletes Unlimited. Um, a, a website, because it's a thing that currently exists and we're in the year 2024 and... <laughs> You know, square, you square space, square space, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> not sponsored. Yeah. Um, okay. So this interesting concept has four teams, air quotes, um, and their con, their I, their uh, logo or not logo, slogan, unofficial slogan. I'm saying, let's gamify a game. Let's make a game <laughs> and let's make another game to go along with it. Okay. So basically, teams are redrafted every week where top four point scorers are the captains and you get points through a combination of like winning a set, winning a match um, and like various stats, like your digs, your kills. And um, you, there's also like a voting after each game players and they use the phrase club members vote on the MVPs of the game and, the top three get different points. So then, so the league is five weeks. Every week teams are redrafted based on this point system. Well, the captains, I think, choose. But the captains are determined on the point system. It's fascinating. But, you know, yeah. it's 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 been going on for three years and doesn't, it seems to be thriving. I feel like we could have a whole episode on this because like I like I want to get into like the point scoring and like that whole system because it's like, you know, volleyball, team sport <laughs> as most sports. But it's like, how did they determine what's a kill? What's a dig? And like, how do they normalize that? Um, because obviously not every player is going to touch the ball as much yep. as other players. Totally. Very fascinating. Um, okay, so moving on to VLA, which is the Volleyball League of America. Um, they have had a women's division since this past year, 2023. Website A-. It's given this me is the, the one that... Oh, it's given me the info I need. Okay, sorry, go ahead. This is the one that have men been doing this for longer? Yes, men have been doing this for longer. And um, I... There's just some interesting things happening with this league that um, basically there's a membership fee to enter and to like get a team. And it seems like you anyone can make a team. You just need to have the a minimum of eight people. You need to pay your dues. Like That's, an adult USA volleyball. Like, like, a, like yes. a club, an adult club team. Yes. So, and then they have this concept of tiers, tier one and tier two. And it seems to me that tier two is that is the, you have to pay membership. You have to pay for the tournaments to get go to them. The host team is paying for if they're going to host a tournament, they're paying for all of the things. Um, they have to pay a, a fee to VLA um, for each match that is played at their competition so host team will submit $25 per eligible match example a three-team round robin is three eligible matches 
coming to $75 event fee. Mm. So that's like the host team is paying the VLA. I think, um, so all women's teams right now are tier two. So there are no, there's no professional, like there's no salary. There's, and it, but, um, and what I could gather, I think tier one, which there, and for men's, there is a tier one and a tier two. Um, that is when the VLA is covering the, the costs and all that. Although they did say VLA will help with promotional materials for tier two. So finally, we have League One Volleyball, um, pronounced love, L-O-V-B, but they, it's pronounced love. It's, that's how you spell yeah. that. Everyone that's knows, love. Yeah. everyone knows love marketing, marketing 101, everyone knows. You pick something that's hard to say. Their website, A+. They're doing great. They're doing See, great work. I've looked at their website and I thought they were selling me leggings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It they, looks they like have, an apparel website. They have a lot of promotional material. Okay, so the interesting thing about this, they have not started playing yet at all. Um, and they are there's six teams all across the states, and they have associations with like junior clubs with like high school club or I guess in middle school, right? Because club is all those ages. And like th- so it's, it seems to me there may be investors, but also there's maybe a piece of the associated clubs are helping to pay for these, um, these professional teams. Um, but yeah, they, they're not, they haven't, they don't even have a schedule out. So I, yeah, they're starting after the Olympics. Cause yeah. I've seen there are some Olympians on that one. Yeah. That have committed to playing. Um, there. so an interesting thing. Um, okay. So they, they had an announcement or USAV had an announcement on December 11th, announcing USA Volleyball and League One Volleyball announced partnership. Okay, December 11th, 2023. Pro Volleyball Federation, what, what we are talking about. December 27th, 2023, USA Volleyball, Pro Volleyball Federation announced alliance. So, I... We're going to have to... What could that be? What it partnership What's the difference? Now, versus now did I read, alliance? Did I read the articles? No. <laughs> so now we can jump into PVF. Uh, how this league came about, the founders, who's in the back office, who are the owners. We're gonna do a little salary analysis. Um, but yeah, mostly just letting you know who's behind this so that we have that good foundation for before the matches start. All right, so we've got two founders of this league. First one is our friend Dave Wynum. He was a Division II football coach. Then he was on the AFL coaching staff in the late 80s and early 90s. He was also the in the in the early 90s, he was the the Red Wings conditioning coach. Detroit Red Wings, that's hockey, Kelly. So <laughs> So he's been like hockey, right? Yeah, he's just been like generally around sports. Um, and then we've got, and I'll, I'll I'll join them together in a second. But then we've got the second founder, Stephen Evans, who, from what I could tell, is like a marketing communications guy, branding and media, and has done ops jobs in arena football. So these guys must so that's have how met they know each other. in the in the football. Yeah. 
land, um, but not NFL, right? All of these smaller leagues that have have ebbed and flowed again in in existence. Um, and so this guy Stephen makes his own company for brand strategy, and he joins up with Dave, and they make a company managing mergers and acquisitions transactions for pro sports teams and entertainment companies. They decided that they loved volleyball and there was an opportunity in volleyball. And if they're business guys, then they've seen the things that we're seeing in terms of increasing interest from fans, and they decided they like wanted to get in on it. So then it depends who you hire and who is in your back office to make the choices to make it go, I think. like Founders get to be ideas guys sometimes. And so they, they, they formed this federation. They decided they were going to do this in November of 2022. Um, and so then they're hiring their back office. It seems like a lot of people who've been in the volleyball world in some capacity, some of the more senior people for a few decades, um, they have Cecile Reynaud out of, out, they got her out of retirement uh, to be the VP of operations. She was the head coach of Florida State for 26 years and served on many of the different youth and college volleyball organization boards, as well as USAV. Um they have a couple of ex-Olympians doing international player development. I imagine that's just recruiting and PR while leveraging their contacts contacts that they've made from playing abroad. Again, I, I mentioned uh, it's a 14-player league. Um, similarly, only two international players are allowed per roster. So that's like the reverse of what leagues abroad are doing in saying only two Americans. Um, but generally, I think that like pulling people who've been involved in these different governing boards and in volleyball currently means that you're pulling people who know the sport and have ideas about what could make it successful at this higher level. So then we've got, we've got owners. Owners have to buy in and then they hire their own coaches and staffs. And, and from what I can tell, they give their, the owners a lot of free reign in terms of how how they want to hire, how they want to how they want to build their own offices. These people just put up a bunch of money in order to get involved, and and you know we don't hate that, but we're going to talk about who they are. Um, so we're going to start with the Columbus Fury. A main owner of of the Columbus Fury is Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. His dad, Jimmy, is the director of brand advancement of the league overall. He also is an owner, along with wife Robin. So the three of them got into a family investment deal in this Columbus team. Uh, We've got San Diego Mojo. Owner is Carrie Walsh Jennings, three-time Olympic beach gold medalist. I think probably one of the most recognizable volleyball players yeah, she's very prominent in the volleyball world. And yeah, she's got those those big sponsorships over that whole time. So she's got money to throw at this, and I think it's a good fit. The Vegas Thrill have two owners. One's a The majority owner is Andy Abowd, who's the SVP of government relationships for the Vegas Sands Casinos and Resorts. <laughs> so anybody in big casino, why not? You know, get involved in Vegas sports. I don't... I don't hate it. Um, and I think the minority owner is the, the guy that he got in touch with to, to buy this team is former Nebraska Attorney General John 
running, who was quoted in the Nebraska Examiner as saying that he's a volleyball fan because, quote, it's violent and it's athletic and every point matters. So he's decided to assign this violence to the women's game and use it as the first adjective in why he likes the sport. What's the most violent thing that you've done in volleyball? Stabbings. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've pushed, I've shoved middles out of the way to get to the second ball, which is right. the setter's responsibility. Yeah. Just, you know, middles who are stuck, I've shoved them out of the way, sometimes to the floor. I thought I broke a girl's jaw <laughs> once <laughs> with one of my with hips. With what? With my hip. Oh, with the ball. Yeah. Oh, that's I, way better than, like, your elbow. I also accidentally elbowed a teammate. I was, like, blocking, and she came in really close because I think um, the person was tipping. And so she crashed right behind me. And I, like, because it was a tip, like, I start, like, putting my arms wide and I come down and I hit her, hit her in the face with my elbow and I broke her nose. So those <laughs> are the two most violent did things. Did she bleed? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was broken. So it just, like, yeah. All over. Yeah. So I had a time that I'm, I forgot until just now where I went to go get a tip. And the, the outside, who was the off-blocker defender, just kicked, tried to kick the ball up. Oh, no. And kicked under my chin, and I bit my own tongue. Oh. And well, so luckily, no jaw issues. Like, my nose wasn't broken, but I, I had blood in my mouth in the, it, like while the point was happening. I mean, that was violence against you. you know that was mean? violence against me. <laughs> but then what I really, what I appreciated about it was that, like, the ga- that was the last point of the game, I think. And so we, we were able to come off the court at that point, and... I just, like, went over to the garbage can and spit a mouthful of blood in front of all of the opposing team parents. And I heard, like, an audible, like, oh, like, as I, (laughs) we, like, lost, and I spit a mouthful of blood out in front of them and then, like, go go over to the other side. So, right, John has a point, is, I guess, what we're trying to say. because of the violence. I mean, would it, is that... Is that a word I would use to describe volleyball? Probably not, but sure. Okay. The Orlando Valkyries owner is David Foreman. He founded a pet food company. Um, that's his claim to fame. Um, okay. We have the Omaha Supernovas. The It's co-owned. Um, the first is billionaire Danny White, who's a founder of a real estate investment and ventures company. Um, and he and his friend decided to go in on this uh, venture together. His friend is Jason Derulo. Oh. All right, two to go. We've got um, the Grand Rapids Rise. So if you know Eastern Michigan, you know one incredibly rich family has their hands all over everything over there, and, and that's the DeVos family. Whoa. Uh, Mr. DeVos is the founder of Amway. Oh. And now, yeah, heard of him. and then his son. Speaking of pyramid schemes. Speaking of pyramid schemes. <laughs> so his son Dan, that's the founder's son. Um, he's the owner of the team. Dan's brother Dick is married to Betsy DeVos, former education secretary. So probably not going to become a Grand Rapids Rise. For yeah, him. it's tough. It's not looking good. But I'm not sure. It's and tough. Finally, the Atlanta Vibe. Uh, the only woman owner. Colleen Durham Craig. She's been involved in volleyball. She was a volleyball and track athlete at Cornell. 
Um, her resume is mostly business development and hedge funds. What I can say is that uh, for a couple years, she was like the head of strategy at the George Soros's fund. Nice. We've got political tentacles all over the league. We really do. We, we're, we, we, we're traversing quite a broad range. Um, and so, yeah, she's got, she's got the money mind. She's got the mindset. Uh, I, I, like an, I like a woman owner. So I'm a big fan. Um, so there's our owners. There's our, there's our resume check on, on these millionaires. So into salary analysis. What I'll say is that I've heard the founders and a couple player relations associates. Some of these player relations associates are like playing themselves. Um, so they're more like the, the like boots on the ground player view. So people who are like working for this league are talking about how committed to revenue sharing they are, which Kelly, you mentioned like there was some level of that in the early leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll say like over and over, they're the first U.S. league to do that. I'm guessing they mean compared to pro leagues that are currently in existence. Um, But I haven't found any concrete evidence of what that means, how it works, what the percent structure is. Mm. I'll keep digging as we get through this first season. I doubt they'd make their P&L publicly available. No, sure. But (laughs) I think that people talking about it and, like, having some level of understanding of are they even making revenue? Like, where is it going and and how does that work? Yeah. but they're very committed to talking about that. Um, the player's salary information on the website is states, quote, the first pro volleyball league in the U.S. to provide its players with a real living wage. They love to capitalize real. They put real everywhere. They mm. keep saying real pro volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, it continues to say first-year base salaries are similar to those of current first-year WNBA players. Um, and so we know there's bonus money to win rounds of, of playoffs or win playoffs. Um, I was able to determine some actual figures here. So base salaries, and this is like from interviews that players were giving, and, and I don't know how long ago it was or if it's changed by now, but this is like the only way I was able to get detail. Um, so base salaries are the same across all teams. All players are making the same thing. Um, there, it's 60 grand for four and a half months of work, which is not bad. Players will also be able to gain additional compensation based on achievement. And then there are two franchise players. So those two players sign player contracts with their team, um, and they're an employee of the club, and they get extra salary for extra promotional activities. Have to live in the market year-round to be available for this. Um, but there are, I think that's pretty similar to the MLS as it stands mm-hmm. now. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting component of like trying to build community engagement with the city that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the idea is with this, like everybody making the same amount, it, at first it helps avoid teams having a ton of money and being able to build a crazy roster. Um, it kind of puts everyone on the same even playing field while they're still trying to figure out what the future might look like in terms of salaries and what kind of revenue they're making. So I don't hate it as a first year plan and we'll see like how success might determine whether that changes in the future. Most teams reported in January to start playing together for two or three weeks before season started. Um, 
And I think that the idea of putting it now until May means that, like, anyone who is going to be playing internationally or have a shot at the Olympic roster, although I do feel like many of the Olympians are committed to that other league in November, but anyone who does have a shot at that, like, that frees them up to be able to play internationally at that time. And so we start a bit slower in January. It's like two to three, end of January, two to three matches a week in the first three weeks of season, and then it's usually six or seven per week. So at the time of recording, this is Saturday, yesterday on Friday, they announced a streaming deal with Bally Live and the website Stadium. So they have the streaming media rights. Um, Right now, every game through early March has either Stadium or the Bally Live logo next to it. So it seems like they cover all of it. Um, I downloaded the Bally Live app and just immediately... I, I hadn't answered any questions. I hadn't set up an account, nothing. It just downloaded it, opened it, poker playing for me just immediately. <laughs> so this is the kind of thing we've got going on. So definitely they're streaming. It's free, which is, which is great. There's no paywall. Um, CBS Sports also signed a contract that got announced back in December, but that contract states that it will show 10 regular season matches minimum. So... That's cool, but, like, as we're standing here learning more about these teams over the last few weeks and no one's saying anything about how we can actually watch, like, the Friday announcement before a Wednesday match, bit of a late announce, but we will take it. So, yeah, we've got opportunities to watch. I love, I love that it's free. Yeah, so other than that, I mean, like, I think there's, there's one, like, piece of news that, so I know a little bit about the draft. I know that they've been drafting girls from who did just come out of college um and people who they did the draft in in December and that's when the national championship is so they were drafting people kind of from all over all different ages again they had those like player relations associates who were helping them understand who was even available to be drafted who was still playing abroad and that's I think how they picked a lot of their teams But a big thing that happened on the 11th of January, so while teams were reporting to preseason, is that Asia O'Neill, who was the number one draft pick out of Texas, who just had won a national championship, she had gotten drafted by Columbus back in December. And for for all intents and purposes, she was just like, thank you. So the idea was just like, she's got to be weighing her options. She's probably getting looks abroad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I saw, I saw like rumors that maybe she was like talking to Italian the, the that league um which is one of the knows? top leagues one of the top ones and some of those players can make six figures maybe not first year but certainly down the road um there's more opportunities to make big money there just because they're established so the idea was like for a month everyone was like oh, is she gonna go abroad like what like she we're starting you know like what, what, what's she gonna do um and so on the 11th she assigned so she signed to, to Columbus. Columbus. Mm-hmm. She's going to play staying in this country, which is a huge deal. And I yeah. think that that signals to a lot of the, like, coming out being a national champion, signals to a lot of the college players, like, oh, I could get picked up here yeah. after I'm done and stay home. I mean, like, that's such a huge thing is, like, traveling very far away into a country that you probably don't speak the language and, like, doing this professionally there's another piece of this that's like family and friends and people are here. So um, that's just, I think, a cool piece of news that is like helping us a little bit with 
with where this could go and be a viable option for American players. Totally. Yeah. So that's what I got um, in terms of background on on PVF and where we're going. I'm excited to watch some games this week. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. It'll be fun. All right. All right. It's awesome. Well, thanks, y'all. Yeah. All right. Everyone, go go watch some games on the free for free. Mm-hmm. Let's get some. Let's get some chatter going. Absolutely. Yeah. And follow us on Instagram at Court Captains Pod. That is where that is where we'll be observing, commenting, and uh, letting you know about next episodes. Yeah. And listeners. Don't forget to captain your own court. <laughs>